Welcome to the Region Free Gamers Podcast. Today we're taking a deep dive into one of our favorite strategy gaming franchises and answering the question, what happened to Advance Wars? Welcome back to another episode of the Region Free Gamers Podcast, the podcast that is fluent in gaming. My name is Arnie, and I'll be taking over hosting duties today. As always, please remember to follow us on iTunes, YouTube, or any of your other favorite podcast apps. Leave us a rating and review when you can, and uh, don't forget to pick up and powerbomb through a table that subscribe button. And then hit it with the people's elbow, just for good measure. <laughs> um, <laughs> before we dig into today's topic, let me introduce you to my lone co-host for this episode, hailing from the Great White North, Paul. Hey, my name's Paul. I like video games. Yeah, so just one co-host today. We got two region-free gamers, um, technically not region-locked, thanks to Paul's decision to live abroad. Uh, and so we're trying a little something different today, so I hope that you all enjoy um, what will be either a great success or a complete dumpster fire of an episode. <laughs> we'll find out in short order. <laughs> dumpster fire, dumpster fire. <laughs> so with that out of the way, let's move on to today's uh, topic, which is Advanced Wars. Um, so Advanced Wars is somewhat of a uh, interesting series to cover. It's very long and very storied. Um, it was part of the larger wars franchise um which started uh with famicom wars um was developed by intelligent systems who you may know of fire emblem fame um and famicom wars was their original release for the series released on august 12th of 1988 exclusively in japan um much like fire emblem it has received various releases that were Japan exclusives before it ever transitioned to a worldwide uh, series. Um, so there are quite a few. Uh, there's Famicom Wars, obviously. There's Game Boy Wars. There's Game Boy Wars Turbo. There's Super Famicom Wars, which I think might be the most well-known of the international releases. Um, Game Boy Wars 2 and Game Boy Wars 3. And then finally, we got Advance Wars. Um the series was originally not planned to be released outside of Japan, allegedly because Nintendo thought that consumers outside of Japan would not be interested in turn-based games. Which, um, by the way, is is my favorite, like, <laughs> secret racist thing about this uh, series, <laughs> is the Japanese being like... Like, I, I like how when we're doing research on it, they found every single way to phrase it except for... The Japanese thought Americans were too dumb. Yes. But, which, I mean, which is really defense. what it comes down to. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Um, so, in their defense, you were going to say? Well, I was just going to say, in their defense, like, what were what were the favorite gaming genres of the time in, in America? I think, uh, like, FPSs were big. FPSs? Wasn't it in, like, the early 2000s? Oh, 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 okay. I'm, I'm talking about of when like, like Advance Wars finally released. Yes, oh, like back in the day. Yeah, no, was I was like, thinking like the the Famicom era, and yeah, it would have been. And when you said FPS, I was like, <laughs> in the 80s? <laughs> no, it would have been it would have been platformers. But yeah, I think that I think that the the sort of Final Fantasy Mystic Quest um uh sort of genre was still hanging over um you know Americans' heads, where Japanese 
uh, developers were just like, you got to make the games easier or sometimes you got to make them harder. I know there's there's like Contra Hardcore was one of those where like the game in, is actually harder in the West than it is in Japan. Oh, man. And, you know, it's funny you bring up Mystic Quest because it's like, hey, we want to get Americans into RPGs. Let's release the shittiest one we can. <laughs> right? <laughs> this this will work wonders. It's just like, let's release an RPG that you can't lose. <laughs> Anyhow. Oh, Lord. Um, but so as part of as part of that whole sort of thought process when advanced wars finally did release it released with what has to be one of the most in-depth tutorials ever it was sort of designed so you wouldn't even have to read the manual um when you got the game uh but i i did want to ask you paul uh what was your first experience with advanced wars you know my first experience actually playing advanced wars was dual strike okay. on on the ds I remember seeing Advance Wars, and I remember seeing Advance Wars Black Hole Rising, and it's not that I didn't have a Game Boy Advance. I did buy one eventually when the SP model was released. Um, I needed two things in order to make that purchase. I needed an SP, because um, I didn't like the original form factor, mm-hmm. and I needed Final Fantasy Tactics to be released on it. Gotcha. And once those two things came together, I, I bit the bullet, and I got the system. And Advance Wars was always on the radar, mm-hmm. uh, but it just never happened, and yeah. so it didn't. It didn't make my my eventual, you know, meager collection of Game Boy Advance games. <laughs> well, I did. Um, I wanted to ask you, like, what was your impression of it? Because, like you said, I know you've played Final Fantasy Tactics before, um, so you had some experience with turn-based tactical games, which I think Advance Wars was supposed to be an introduction to people to that genre. And so as somebody who's already had some experience with that, I was wondering, like, was Advance Wars sort of like a dumbed-down version of what you had experienced before? No, no, no. See, Advance Wars to me... Okay, so we have to we have to go back in time a little bit. Yeah. To me, what Advance Wars most resembles actually isn't Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem has a sort of... It has a, a focus on relationship building mm-hmm. and and getting bonuses that way, right? Yeah. Um, and the actual strategy part of it is, I don't want to call it fairly light, um, but it is. It, it's just different, right? Um, experience carries over from battle to battle, which doesn't happen in Advance Wars. The closest analog to Advance Wars, from my memory, and you know, for the one person who's going to remember this, Military Madness. On the Turbo Graphics, interesting. Um, yeah, which was eventually re-released as Nectaris on the PlayStation. Um, and for the record, Nectaris on the PlayStation borderline unplayable because of the loading times. <laughs> like, oh my god, I remember picking it up, thinking, "Cool, like an updated Military Madness." And then I'd sit there and eat my sandwich, waiting for the <laughs> other screens to load, and I'm like, "This is horrendous." Um, but I digress. So yeah, the closest thing, Military Madness, because every every level is its own self-contained thing, stats and bonuses and all that. Nothing carries over from level to level, and you have multiple. Uh, I should actually you know what Fire Emblem also has multiple paths to victory, in that you can seize a throne or whatever. Yeah. But in Advance Wars, it's a little bit more like 
it's it there's a little bit more of a focus on the multiple paths to completion like i find in fire emblem if you're doing a scenario where you can either seize the throne or kill everybody i usually just kill everybody anyway yeah because you're looking for the xp right Mm -hmm. whereas in advanced wars there is no xp bonus for doing that kind of stuff and in dual strike uh, you actually get bonuses for completing a level faster. Yeah. So it behooves you to actually cut right through the enemy and go for that headquarters and take it. Yeah. So this is just like a really long answer to your question, right? Like <laughs> it most resembles military madness, madness mm-hmm. and dual strike, dude, I loved it. Loved it. And I didn't think it was dumbed down at all. It's just different. Yeah. Yeah, because for me, I had never played a strategy RPG before I played Advance Wars. I believe Advance Wars was my first one. I got it near release um, on my clear purple Game Boy Advance because everything had to be clear. <laughs> um, it was the best color. The best sure, color. Sure, yeah, yeah, man. Um, grapes, grapes, yo. <laughs> and so... <laughs> It, it was it was great for me because it sort of introduced me to all these concepts in a very like easy to understand way. And playing it prior to Fire Emblem, Advance Wars is is really to me just a much more pure form of what a strategy RPG should be because it doesn't have permadeath, and so I don't yes. have to I don't I don't develop attachments to my units. I develop attachment to my commanding officer. Um, and I don't have to worry about, you know, am I going to send these units in or these units? And one of the other things that I really like about it is that in Fire Emblem and a lot of these games, I think uh, Shining Force is another uh, turn-based sort of series from back in the day where you get a preload out of units. So you get, it's it's like, here's your units and you have to use them to, to win. And yep. so it, it sort of bases its strategy around how well can you manage your existing resources. Whereas Advanced Wars says, here's some units, but then here's facilities to produce more units. And so it's it's really a, a situation where, like you said, it rewards thinking outside the box in terms of you could just go out and try to kill everybody. But that might result in like a long, dragged out, sort of conflict where your uh, your opponent keeps producing units, you keep producing units, none of you can really get a foothold into the other sort of territory to take over more uh, cities to help you produce more resources to produce more units, or you could sort of try to snake around your opponent and take their headquarters and just end the, end the fight outright. Um, yeah. So it's sort of two sides of the same coin. Um, but Advance Wars to me is much more like you know, I I don't have to worry about a story or, you know, have to develop sort of bonds with in individual characters. And this all makes it sound like I'm just trying to, <laughs> to <laughs> you know, not give a shit about other people um, in my game, which is not true. But I think it, it provides a different kind of entertainment. It's more of a pick up and play sort of experience, a you don't have to get super invested sort of experience. Um and I think there's value to that. I think that Advance War sort of scratches a, a different itch as far as strategy games go. Yeah, a hundred percent. The um, it, it's it's exactly like you said. Like each level being self-contained, the battles aren't quite as long, though they can be. Um, but that's that's something I'll get to later uh, when we talk about Dual Strike. Um, 
but yeah, I, I definitely think there's there's value in that over over something like Fire Emblem. And you know, to be clear, we're not pooping on Fire Emblem here. Yes. Um, I've been playing Fire Emblem all year this year on the 3DS uh, in one, you know, in some way, shape, or form. So hey, you know, much love to that. Yeah. Um, but Advance Wars, you know, it's its own thing. Absolutely. Um, and so with that, I think that. We're just going to dive right into the first Advance Wars, um, simply titled Advance Wars. Um, so Advance Wars released on what is probably the worst release date for any game ever. Um, oh, September dude. 10th of 2001. <laughs> uh, I'm sure the marketing team was, was red faced for several weeks. Um, and so originally there were plans to release the game in PAL territories and Japan, uh, slightly later than this date, but obviously due to the events of September 11th, 2001, um, both of those releases were promptly delayed. Uh, PAL territories did get it, um, in January 11th of 2002, and Japan didn't end up seeing Advance Wars 1 or 2 until they got a compilation cart of both games in 2004. Um, so Japan interestingly enough sort of got the short end of the stick with advanced wars even though they've actually had a history with this series for years completely bizarre so, i remember like i remember reading that because i didn't know about that until we were researching this episode mm-hmm. and i remember reading that and honestly like i thought it was like a typo or something yeah i'm like how how on earth did japan not get this game until three years later like i get the timing with the um with the attack on September eleventh, mm. but holy crap, man, that's it's completely backwards from how all this kind of stuff was historically. Yeah, it really is. And it's it's interesting because there's no reason for me to feel this way, but it sort of makes me feel like Advance Wars is more our thing. You know what I mean? Like Oh yeah. Like the yeah. war series in general definitely squarely japan but i feel like advance wars by virtue of us getting it and getting the second game before even they did i feel like is is feels much more of a of a western series to me now um and well i mean it is right well and we'll get to why later yes um but it it is absolutely more of a western focused property at this point yes and very very heavily western inspired um as we'll see Um, but just to talk a, bu- uh, a little bit about the credits. So you got the director, Toru Narihiro, um, who is a longtime intelligence systems employee, I believe, who has been a main producer on both Advance Wars and Fire Emblem. Um, so this guy is like strategy RPG king, um, in, of the world, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. produced by Takahiro Izushi. Uh, you know, he's worked on Pokemon, worked on Fire Emblem, Metroid Fusion, um, which makes him like honorary god king in my eyes, um, because I <laughs> love that game. Um, and Sin and Punishment on the N64. So very nice resume, uh, of stuff that I like and probably no like 10 other people like. Um, all those things in order. <laughs> um, composed music composed by Taishi Senda, who I want to give a special shout out to because I didn't really remember what uh, Advance Wars' soundtrack was like, so I ended up listening to most of it um, in the run up to to recording this episode, and that is really good, like Game Boy Advance music. And I know there's 
like listening to it on my computer as opposed to listening to it through like the tiny tinny speaker on a original Game Boy Advance I'm sure is is completely different but it's very like it's very interesting and like very much captures the feel of like it's time to like go to battle and like let's let's do yeah. this you know it's very like hoorah like very heavily guitar laden like nice drums um the only problem is that missions in advance wars can range anywhere from like two minutes to like an hour so these compositions are not made to to like hold you over that long (laughs) so some of the longer missions could get a little repetitive and then uh he is also credited with tracks on paper mario which i love um and nobody knows nobody seems to know where he is he's not currently in video games anymore which is i always find fascinating when like somebody who's i know right a game yeah. that i really like and then there's like and he was never heard from again it's it's crazy like i mean you know people in regular industries regular people in non-video game <laughs> industries <laughs> i mean what's regular really you know they they have career changes all the time right yeah um, but somehow when it's somehow when it's anybody to do with video games and I read about them just vanishing, I, I'm always fascinated. Yes. Absolutely fascinated. I'm like, what could they be doing? Where did they go? <laughs> um I think that's mostly because I envision them like just telling everybody that they like did something for video games at all times. <laughs> just yeah, in casual like conversation. A pilot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey Arnie, how do you know there's a video game programmer at a party? Oh my god, how? They'll tell you. Oh my! <laughs> this episode is canceled. Um, we're scrapping the whole thing. <laughs> oh, <Lord>. Anyhow, <laughs> um, but yeah. So if anybody knows where Taishi Senda is, please tell me because I I need to know now. So actually, moving into the meat of the game. So the game is divided into five nations. Um, Orange Star, Blue Moon, Yellow Comet, Green Earth, and Black Hole. And I think you should be sensing a pattern right about now um, yep. with colors and, and shapes. Um, or astral bodies, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so, Yellow Comet... I mean, sorry. Orange Star, which is known as Red Star in Japan, but was changed to Orange Star in the West for potentially obvious reasons. Um to it was to avoid comparisons to like communist russia and and things of that nature i believe um but in a in a in a sort of ironic twist i think they are the they are the country that is modeled after the united states um so in advanced wars what you'll notice is that there units each unit um from every nation is sort of modeled slightly differently from other nations and they're all based on existing uh national forces here on the planet earth obviously um but so with the with orange star you have the u.s armed forces um with your commanding officers andy max and sammy who are your sort of main protagonists throughout the whole of advanced wars one and you have their suit their um commanding officer Nell, who is playable character but you don't really play her throughout the story Mm -hmm. um then you have Blue Moon, uh, which is modeled after Russia and the Soviet Union, uh, led by General Olaf and Grit, um, who are former Orange Star commanding officers. I, you know, I always, I sort of always saw that connection when I was playing Advanced Wars, that, like, these are armies that are modeled after certain countries. 
But not until I read through, like, some of this information where, like, where they think these armies are based on did it actually start, like, clicking in my head. Because, like, as a kid, I feel like you don't think about that stuff very much. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't notice at all. Yeah. Um, the, only, the only one that I really noticed, because, I mean, you get bludgeoned with it, is Black Hole. Yes. Um, but I thought that was kind of cool. Like when I, when I finally noticed it, I was like, oh, this adds like a new dimension. I like that they were like when they were designing these, these sort of armies, they took inspiration from sort of different countries and they, and they took the time to make them like make these units different, you know, like it would have been, I feel like it would have been just as acceptable to make the same units in different colors and nobody would have actually cared. Um, but they took the time to sort of change the look and feel of of some of these. Um, so then you have Yellow Comet. And so Yellow Comet is led by Kanbe, who's the emperor of the Yellow Comet nation, and his daughter Sonia. Uh, and then you have, I think, my personal favorite nation, which is Green Earth. Um, they're originally modeled after Germany in Super Famicom Wars. Um, in Advance Wars 1 and 2, they're modeled more closely after Great Britain. And this was one that I... When I was, like, going through it in my head, I was like, oh, yeah, Yellow Comet this, like, Blue Moon that. What the hell is Green Earth? And then when I read it, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it's also, this is my favorite fun fact about this entire series, is that the two Green Earth uh, commanding officers are Eagle and Drake, who are modeled after Germany's Red Baron and Britain's Sir Francis Drake, which I love because they're, like, Eagle is focused on air combat, which makes complete sense, and then Drake is modeled after... Uh, naval combat and it's like those little things that when i hear a fact like this i often wonder to myself like is this a thing that they actually did on purpose or is this a thing that sort of fans are attributing to them after the fact because it makes sense (laughs) yeah (laughs) um and then you're you have your antagonists in black hole uh they are led by general Sturm, and obviously as as paul was saying it's a very clear nazi germany parallel um to black hole big time yes yeah. like in the yeah, design there's... of the characters and you know just the general way i think that they go about uh waging war yeah no every every other country or army rather whatever you want to call them yeah they all went right over my head like it was just <laughs> like these are the colors these are the characters i had i had no idea that there was any analog to real life yeah but man that black hole could not be more nazi German. yeah absolutely And so, basically what happens, so the story of, of Advance Wars, as, as far as there is a story, because it's essentially the same story for two to three games, depending on how you look at it, but yeah. uh, in Advance Wars 1, you assume control of the Orange Star Army. Um, initially, you can only play as Andy, um, but you'll shortly be able to unlock uh, Max and Sammy as playable characters, just as you progress through the missions, and I believe... I don't know if if they'd let you do this in Advance Wars 1, but I believe they do, is you have a choice. Once you... There are certain missions where you can play as uh, 
several different characters, so the game lets you choose which character you want to play as. The main difference being that each commanding officer provides several passive buffs or debuffs to their units um, and also have different uh, commander powers, which they can use um, at different points during during combat. There are a total of 11 playable commanding officers, but you can only play as them in versus mode. In the story mode, you are only allowed to play as Andy, Max, or Sammy, um, because you follow Orange Star's story throughout, you know, the, the campaign, which essentially boils down to what every Advance Wars game boils down to. Liberate every country and then defeat Black Hole in some insane final mission that'll take you like two hours. (laughs) um and basically the story is it's i you know here's the thing is that i feel like when you play something like shining force or fire emblem or final fantasy tactics and you you experience these very intricate well-designed uh involved any other superlative i can come up with story for these uh, games with all these characters that you sort of become involved with and that you grow to like and appreciate. Advance Wars story, by contrast, is like the most bare bones sort of story, like military story that you could possibly tell. Yeah, and I don't know if that's I don't even know if that's good or not. Right? That's like, what I'm saying. Like I don't I don't know what to think of it because <laughs> the game. I think if the game itself was weaker, mm-hmm. it would be. It would be really bad because then you'd have a crappy game with a crappy story yeah. and we wouldn't be doing a podcast about it. <laughs> but when you have something like Advance Wars, which lends itself to fairly quick fights, you know, I, I'm good with it, man. I don't I don't really need a big story for a military strategy game. Yeah. Like as a general rule, all these kind of military strat or I shouldn't say all, but like as a general rule, a lot of these military strategy games are based on on the real world, right? Like the old Panzer General um, from SSI and all these other old military strategy games or um, like Iron Storm on the Sega Saturn based on the Daisenryaku series in Japan. Like these are all based on World War II or World War I yeah. or some kind of real life, you know, thing, right? Yeah. In which case, what story is there, right? Like the story is the game. And... So Advance Wars, I think, is similar in that they just, there's not much of a need for a story there. Like, everything is about the gameplay. And I don't necessarily think the game suffers for having such a bare bones, you know, orange versus yellow. And that's about it. Yeah. Um, And just to quickly go over the story, essentially, Andy is framed as having attacked other nations. And so... All the nations turn on Orange Star, you take control of Orange Star, you liberate all the other nations, basically convince them that you're not evil. You then find out that Andy has a doppelganger that is being controlled by Black Hole, um, and so then you join forces to take on Black Hole. And you either win or you turn the game off at the last mission and don't play it again for (laughs) ten years. (laughs) Not that that I've experienced that myself. Oh, no. Um... (laughs) It's just so hard. There's like, you have to control like three different commanding officers and Sturm has like a giant gun that like shoots the crap out of you or he yeah, uses yeah. his co-power or something and it like destroys you. 
Um, it's very much like just throw units at the wall until you eventually win. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so gameplay, like Paul said, is really gameplay is where the game excels and where I think if you're a fan of strategy RPGs, even if you're not, I think that Advance Wars might be something that people would want to play. Um, it's, it's basic, you know, when you're, when you're in the campaign, it's usually involves just two commanding officers battling it out. I think versus mode, you can go up to four. Um, and basically you battle out using whatever units you're initially provided in your scenario. Um, and then some maps, like we discussed before, provide specific buildings that create units for you. Um, it's, you know, it's not worth discussing in detail how everything works. Essentially, the different, the main difference between Advance Wars and other strategy RPGs of the time is you basically have to control territory. Controlling territory is how you sort of build up your army. So the more cities you control, the more money you produce, the more units you can create. Um, units obviously differing in price based on what they are and, and stuff like that. One thing that I thought that Advance Wars did that I had never seen before, and I feel like I haven't really seen since to like such a well-crafted degree, is the division of, of units. So there are sea units, there are air units, and there are ground units. And each of these units sort of interact in different ways. Some air units can't attack ground or sea troops, some sea units can't attack air or ground troops. And so it's really, you have to strategize what units are good for what situation. And much like actual war, some units are specifically good against other units. Meaning yep. that even if you're at a numbers disadvantage, you can still win because your unit is just that much better than the other person's unit. Yeah, and that really, that whole interplay is the backbone of the game. Yeah. Um, like, you can take a series like Fire Emblem where... You can equip weapons that are strong against certain types of units and and kind of get an idea of what that is like for Advance Wars. But in Advance Wars, it's like it's like that, but multiplied by five. Yeah. Um, because every single unit has its strengths and weaknesses and how you deploy them and how you protect them um, really, really is the backbone of the game. Yeah. And, and Advance Wars, I feel like, is a perfect example of easy to learn, difficult to master. Because yeah. there are just things that iterate upon things. For example, you could have a specific unit. That unit has strengths and weaknesses. That unit also has ammo and fuel that you have to worry about. That unit also has specific tiles that they could be on. That might grant you more defense or might hide you in fog of war, you know. So there's there's all these little things that sort of go into it. But when you're actually playing, it, it sort of comes naturally to you where you're like, I want this unit because I know they have this unit. And so, <laughs> you know, you sort of just figure out in your mind, like, this unit can move this many spaces and then I can resupply it here. And then I can put it in the forest so they can't see it in the fog of war. You know, it's like... Something that like you're thinking in your mind, but when you're actually playing, it just seems like second nature because it all these things are introduced very gradually, which is like a, a, a thing that I think Advance Wars does really, really well. Like I said, when they first released the, the first game, they had such an in-depth tutorial that was just dedicated to showing you every single thing. But then it's not like they go through all that 
and then they just throw you into a mission where you have to do all of that at once, they yes. still have a progression of missions building up to more complicated scenarios. And so I think it's very successful in sort of making you feel like a military genius, <laughs> even <laughs> when you might not be. Um, well, it is. It's very intuitive. And it doesn't hurt that, first of all, the UI is really good. Yes. Um, everything can be done very quickly. And the graphics, even like, and this is a Game Boy Advance game, like it's not a big screen by any stretch, but all of the units are very distinctive and the colors are all very different and bright. The cartoony style really helps as well yeah. um, because you don't have to, like for tanks, you know, they don't have to worry about, you know, a lot of detail. They don't have to worry about accuracy. They can just draw this, you know, these different, cartoony tanks and you can tell which one each is just instantly looking at them yeah it's really it's very very clever yeah i mean and i think going back to to what you mentioned which we haven't talked about somehow is the art style in advance wars i think might be some of my favorite on the system it's it's just like first of all it's anime as hell um sure clearly but it's it's done like you said in just this sort of kind of simplistic style where it just makes everything look very very good um because it's not like overly muddled it's not muddied by having such a small screen because the designs are very straightforward um but it uses such bright colors that i think honestly playing this on like an original game boy advance was probably some kind of crime because you don't really, until the SP with the backlit screen comes out, you don't really see, like, the depth of color that that is in, like, some of these designs. It's really, like, quite beautiful. Yep, yep. And it manages to, and it also manages to be very anime and cartoony, but without being juvenile, yes. right? It, it looks, it, I don't want to say it looks adult, but it doesn't look kitty. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Which I think is important when you're doing a game about war you know because yeah ultimately like you see these units like blow each other up and like shoot each other um and so i think like that that sort of fine line like you said like being approachable without being overly childish or or overly simplistic i think is like sort of a a very hard thing to navigate and i think they nailed it Um, yeah absolutely and I think they nailed it, and it, to this day, it's still very distinctive. It, funnily enough, the a close analog would be the new Fire Emblem games on the 3DS. Mm-hmm. They have, they just have a very pleasing and distinct art style. I find, yeah, and uh, I think that they, I think that that's borrowed from Advance Wars, which is very, very similar. And I mean, obviously, the same company, right? So you know, yeah, and. One of the other things that I want to touch on is the fact that, you know, you have this game that has sort of this hidden complexity to it and sort of this breadth of of stuff that you can do and all these little intricacies that make it very interesting. But you're also talking about a, a handheld game on a machine that has four buttons if you don't count select and start and is basically a souped up Super Nintendo. And I feel like it just even amongst like the games of the time it felt like a game that looked great and played great for being on such a small console and i feel like advance wars along with games like golden sun and final fantasy tactics advance 
were games that, for me at least, finally made it. So I was like, the the line between portable and and console began to get a little blurred in the sense that before this, whenever I played a portable game, with maybe the exception of Pokemon, I was like, oh, I can I can tell why this was on the Game Boy. Like you can tell that this is a little more limited. It's not as big in scope. It's not as not necessarily ambitious because there were ambitious games on handhelds, but it's it's not like the line between what is a console game and what is a um, handheld game, I feel like was much clearer before a lot of these games on the Game Boy Advance started coming out. Yeah, absolutely. And especially because the Game Boy Advance was released during a time where, you know, the 16-bit era was, you know, it, it was pretty well and long dead at that point. Yeah. But with that said, like, strategy, you know, like something like Advance Wars, mechanically, if you release this game on the PlayStation 2, it's not going to be a hell of a lot different other than the visuals and sound. Yeah. Um, mechanically, the the depth of gameplay and the control scheme, I mean, you've got four more buttons, but eh, what for, right? Yep. So it's a game that could have been released on a 32-bit or, you know, 128-whatever-bit system. Um, but aside from the visuals, is going to is going to be pretty much the same game. So you're getting, you know, a complex, deep gaming experience on a portable, the likes that you haven't seen before, and it's it's pretty much blurred the line, like you said, right? Yep. Um, and you know, not to get too bogged down in mechanics, um, but I just want to touch on a couple other things that I thought were really cool for this game. One is that it had weather effect, uh, singular, because it had one other weather. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. It had two. Um, there's rain and there's snow. Um, and uh, again, like these weather effects like have an effect on your units and how you fight. Um, rain decreases movement for only tread and tire units in specific tiles. So like in woods and in plains, which are like grass. Um, which makes sense when it rains, it gets muddy and your tanks don't move as well. Your, uh, Jeeps don't move as well. Anything that has tires doesn't move as well. And that sort of stuff is as a kid, like I, I had no idea because I, I don't think you realize unless you're looking for it, but it's so like, it's just like advanced wars is a game that does a lot of little things. Well, overall, like, like there's just a bunch of little things that when you think about it, it's like. This didn't need to be in this game at all, but the fact that it is makes it a lot more impressive. Yeah, and without and without bogging it down. Yes. Yeah, it's not something that's like sort of obstructs gameplay in any way. Um if you if you're not like strategic enough that you don't account for stuff like that, like it'll never like when I was a kid, I just made whatever units I wanted and I didn't worry about anything. <laughs> um and I still had fun and obviously sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Um, and, but I always found it enjoyable. So I don't know. Advanced Wars is, is one that's, that's close to my heart. Um, and for the first one, so like we talked about before, there's two ways to win, uh, destroying all opponents or capturing, uh, headquarters. Um, you can only capture units with your infantry or your mech units, not robots. They're just like bazooka, uh, toting dudes. Um, again, completely makes sense. Like 
you'd send your infantry in to capture cities, capture locations in actual war. Um, yeah. And then uh, we touched on this briefly, but every commanding officer has advantages and disadvantages, and they have commanding officer powers. Um, and basically what these are, and this is, I think, a complete left turn from anything that I've seen in strategy games, is that you have like this one power that can sort of shift the tide of war in one way or the other, but your opponent also has their own power. So it's not like you're the chosen one, you get this special thing that helps you. It's still a thing that you have to know how to use strategically because your opponent also has it. Um, you know, now that I think about it, I think that's kind of what I like about Advanced Wars is that like you're not special. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you are just a regular other person who can do these things, but other people can also do them. You're not the chosen one. Like, you don't stand above everybody else. (laughs) It's very much like average Joe, the war simulator. Um, so I, I, I like that. Um, and I think a lot of other people did because despite its unfortunate release date, this game received universal acclaim. Uh, has a Metacritic score of 92. Um, two fun facts about Advance Wars, like, uh, uh, just acclaim over the years. The first and one that I really enjoy is that Edge Magazine initially rated Advance Wars 9 out of 10 in 2001 when it came out, but in 2013 retroactively changed their score to a 10 out of 10, which made it like one of, I think, like 26, 20, 26 games that got a perfect score from Edge Magazine. Yeah. But also the fact that they retroactively changed the score, like that was that was weird to me. I was like I know, right? <laughs> my bad, my bad. Yeah. You know, this this game is actually perfect. <laughs> exactly. It's it's taken it's taken me twelve years to figure it out, but <laughs> nine's just not good enough. This and game's then, amazing. Uh, I did want to highlight a uh review for Advance Wars that I saw on uh, Metacritic. So maybe this could be the second episode of the Region Free Gamers Dramatic Reading Theater. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you want to put a soaring score behind me. Um, I, I can I can do the nasally nerd voice here very easily. Oh my god, please! Because that's ex- that's exactly what this person is. <laughs> um, so this this person gave Advance Wars a four out of ten, which is unconscionable. That. <laughs> I don't understand why you're even writing a review at that point. I don't, I don't want to be like, you know, a negative guy here. Yeah. But holy shit, man. Four out of ten for this game? Not to say that this game isn't good, because it is. Which immediately blows my mind. Which immediately blows my mind, right? Because <laughs> four out of ten means it's a terrible game. Correct. But, but it's good. I swear. I just don't think it's fair. It gets all the love it does. Why? Because nearly everything is ripped straight out of Fire Emblem. People think that Fire Emblem was ripped for Advance Wars because Advance Wars came out in 2001 while Fire Emblem came out in 2004. However, Fire Emblem came first because Fire Emblem had been running strong in Japan since 1990. <laughs> <laughs> Which again is is doubly weird because of the fact that clearly he knows his Fire Emblem history and you would think that he would know his Advance Wars history enough to know that Famicom Wars came out in 1988. Also, by the way, capital letters... Who the fuck cares? <laughs> right? It's it it doesn't matter. The game is amazing. Okay? Is take your four out of ten and take it back to your mom's basement, dude. <laughs> this is it's such a terrible, terrible review. And I mean, 
it's funny that we're devoting like a full 60 seconds to ripping on like random yes. dudes you know he, he's not part was, of any publication not this a one journalist. was too much for me just because oh he says God. that the game is good in the first sentence of this i review. know i know and then it's all ripped and the funny thing is too is that virtually none of the mechanics are taken from fire emblem no it's a strategy it's a strategy game right that is where the similarities end correct so that was just something that I had to I, I had to write that down. I was blown away when I read oh, it. Oh, super, super happy you found that. Yes. Um also, um this is when I first discovered that EGM does very, very specific ratings, since they rated it seven point three three out of ten. And this is like a thing that they do throughout um all the reviews I've seen of theirs. They do like very yeah. decimal heavy reviews. <laughs> um is egm still around i think they're not right i don't think so i, I yeah. don't think so um yeah all right this 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 is all coming together now <laughs> anybody who who dares raise a hand against advanced wars is swiftly destroyed <laughs> um but so overall i think that we've given people an idea of what we think of advanced wars i don't think we're we're sort of trying to to fucking hide the ball here. Um, but what do you think, Paul? Like, overall, as Advance Wars, like, has it aged well? And, and what do you think of it in general? Honestly, I think the, I think the Edge magazine, that whole thing kind of, kind of proves the point, right? Mm. Like, the, the gameplay, this gameplay hasn't changed much over the years, and it doesn't have to. It's always going to be good. Yeah. Right? So, when you go back, and you play Advance Wars, you have these charming visuals, you have the charming uh, bit-tune music. I, I think it's aged fine. I'm happy to go back and play it again yeah. if presented with the opportunity. Yeah, I think it's... it's. I, I completely agree. Like, I think it is a game that has not evolved a lot, um, at least until... But it doesn't need to, exactly. right? Like, yeah. Um, but I think... It speaks to the fact that, like, if you go back to Advance Wars now, like, if you look at some of the contemporary um, uh, strategy RPGs that were inspired by Advance Wars, they're still kind of doing the same thing. Like, oh, the, yeah. Like, it's not like you go back to Advance Wars and it's sort of outdated in what it was doing. I don't think it was... I don't necessarily think it was revolutionary at the time, but it's just one of those sort of mechanical styles that are just sort of timeless. Like, it still plays fine. It still delivers on what it sets out to do, which is give you some fun sort of strategy levels to play through, um, you know, in in a very, like, entertaining and lighthearted way. Um, yep. It's it sort of like, Advance Wars to me, like, whenever I play a level of it, it just seems like it's a puzzle, you know? Like, it's a little puzzle game. Like, how am I going to sort of, attack this problem this time and and sort of figure everything out um and i think that stuff just stays timeless to a certain degree yep no i i I fully agree all right so uh we're gonna take a small break and then we're gonna come back and talk about advanced wars 2 black hole rising so stick around guys
welcome back. Time for Advance Wars 2 Black Hole Rising. Alright, so this game I have a little bit more mixed feelings about, I think. But um, it was released in the U.S. on June 24th of 2003, so they avoided another national disaster in their release schedule, thank God. Um, <laughs> Way to go, guys. <laughs> um, and obviously direct sequel to the first Advance Wars game. Or I should say, yeah, the first Advance Wars, because the first one on the Game Boy Advance. Um, the European release was October 3rd of 2003, and if we, as, if, as we've already discussed, there was no Japanese release until 2004. So, it's crazy that not only did they not get the first one, they didn't get the second one until a year after it had already come out in America and Europe. Um, again... Just insane to me that this would happen. I know it's not the first time something like this has happened, but it's 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 weird to read, especially about really a, a Nintendo game. <laughs> yeah. Um, directing duties were taken over by Makoto Shimojo. Obviously, again, another fantastic intelligent systems employee who's worked on several Advance Wars and Fire Emblem games in multiple capacities. Intelligent systems kind of reminds me of um, Nihon Falcom who we did an episode on a while ago, in that it's like this little company where people just seem to, like, take whatever role um, is assigned to them for, like, all these amazing games. So they have their names, like, in all sorts of places. Yeah. Um, this time, uh, director of the first Advance Wars game, Toru Narihiro, uh, is producing, and it was composed by Yoshito, uh, Yoshito Hirano. I'm going to butcher these names. Nah, nah, you nailed that one. We're um, all good. Uh, he composed music for Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door. Excellent game. Codename Steam, which I haven't played. Um, and, uh, of course, Advance Wars and Fire Emblem. Um, the soundtrack for Advance Wars 2 feels like it, it, ha- it hits some of the same beats as Advance Wars 1, but it feels a lot more complex. Um, because there's a lot more instruments that are being used now, a lot more brass, a lot more, I feel like, like drums are, are much more prominent. It's not as guitar heavy as Advance Wars 1 was. Um, so it's, it's still really good. Again, I'm sure through the, the baked potato that was the speaker for the Game Boy Advance, it <laughs> didn't sound nearly as good as it, it deserved to sound. Um, but serviceable for what it's doing. Uh, we see the addition of eight new commanding officers on top of all the returning ones from Advanced Wars. So we're up to 19 playable commanding officers in uh, other modes outside of the campaign. Uh, and this is something that we'll see is that Advanced Wars does not skimp out on the content, specifically when it comes to playable characters. Yep. Which I love because the more variety you give people, especially in, in strategy games, when the commanding officers just aren't like a placeholder or like your avatar, they actually contribute to your strategy and the way you fight. Um, I think it's great. Um, oh yeah. It, 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 the replay value because of your, because of all the multiple COs and especially in dual strike, we'll get to dual strike, but like the replay value just increases yeah. so much and it's, you know, you just don't get bored of it, really. So now that you've said it, I want to take a quick digression into how do you pronounce C? Like you just say C O? Is that how you like? Yeah, I just say C O. Okay, because when I when I read it, like when I was a kid, I always just said Co. Like when I was reading, <laughs> and so I was like, I know it's like commanding officer. So is it Co? Is it C O? I'm just gonna say the word so I don't get in trouble. Um, 
But uh, one thing they did change is they added uh, commanding officer superpowers, which are more powerful versions of their original powers. So now you have a a longer gauge, um, and the gauge is affected by several things. Um, basically, how many units you destroy, how many units of yours the opponent destroys, things of that nature um, affect how quickly or how slowly your gauge fills. And I think specific commanding officers have faster filling gauges than others just in general based on what their powers are. Um, And here we come to the crux of the issue with Advance Wars 2 is that Advance Wars 2 changed virtually nothing from Advance Wars 1 to the point that only one new unit was added. And I think the, the impasse here is do you care in the sense that like it doesn't really change anything, but it does everything that Advance Wars did still is right. It still feels good. It still plays very well. Um, and so a lot of people see Advance Wars 2 as more of an expansion pack or a uh, sort of map pack to Advance Wars 1 because there's not really a big change um, from one game to the other. It's hard to say. It's hard to say whether... You know, like how much, and you'll see it with you'll see it with Dual Strike. Yep. Dual Strike takes a, a larger leap forward. Yes. Um, but if Dual Strike only had one screen, eh, maybe not, right? Mm-hmm. But that's a whole other ball of wax. I mean, look, if it was a crappy game, I would care more. Yeah. But because it's Advance Wars, and it was such a good, you know, it was so good the first time. I, I, I'm kind of on the side of forgiving them. Yeah. Like, look, it was released two years later, right? And we've been raking Electronic Arts over the coals for years um, for releasing the same Madden game every year, so to speak, right? So this practice, not necessarily unheard of, kind of accepted. And in the case of Advance Wars, it was a couple years later, right? So I don't know. I'm I'm good with it. I can see why people might have been expecting a little more, but I don't know. I, I think with the Game Boy Advance, there's really only so much advancement, haha, that we can <laughs> <laughs> that we can do here. Um, one new unit, you know, yeah, seems a little lazy, um, but it's still a great game. Yeah, I I I agree. I tend to I'm not gonna hide my bias here. I I love Advance Wars, and so for me having more advanced wars was reason enough to to buy this game. Um, yeah. It it really is just that simple for me. It's like I like advanced wars. I want more advanced wars. I'm going to buy advanced wars too. Um yep. and you know, it, it it's funny because I I know I know I've said it a whole bunch in that like Persona 5. <laughs> <laughs> how many sentences have started like that? But it's 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 true for me that they evolve just enough you know they take what's good and they make it better and i think advance wars 2 sort of does something similar they don't try to change everything they don't try to sort of give you a brand new experience when they know that you already enjoyed the experience they gave you the first time there's a new unit i think Mm -hmm. no i i think where it suffers is in the fact that look when you're playing a game for the first time that has mechanics that you've never seen before, mm-hmm. that is 
the best kind of gaming experience in general that you can have, right? Yeah. So, you know, you have a lot of these kids or teenagers, whatever, who have a Game Boy Advance, and then they're given a game like Advance Wars, and they've never played a game like Advance Wars, and everything is fresh, and you remember that experience. And so when Advance Wars 2 comes out, it's impossible to have that same experience again, Yeah. right? It's just expanding on the first time. So when you're going through the tutorial missions, there's kind of this, you know, been here, done that, let's get the tutorial done. And a lot of the strategies that you employed from the first game are going to be the same. You know, you've got new maps, you've got new COs, and that throws a wrinkle into it. It throws, you know, you're figuring out some new problems, but you've already kind of figured out the fundamentals. Yeah. And so, you know... By that token, it, it just it can't be the same experience. It doesn't mean that it's a bad game per se, but it's it's hurt by that lack of novelty compared to the first one. Absolutely. Um, and the story isn't doing it any favors in that department. <laughs> um, it falls directly from the first one. Black Hole returns. Dun, dun, dun. Um, <laughs> under leadership of Sturm, um, who is now accompanied by several black hole COs. Um, so this is like half of your new COs right here is these new black hole COs um, that attempt that are attempting to once again, capture the allied nations. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that the advance wars two did that speaks to what you were saying about replayability is that you can select missions non-linear, non-linearly. Um, so you're no longer just going from mission to mission. There are points where more than one mission will open up and you have to decide you know, which mission you're, you're going to and what order you want to tackle them in, which I found really nice because if I ever got stuck on a mission, I wasn't stuck on a mission. I could go do other missions. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a classic sequel move mm-hmm. for sure. Yep. Yeah. You'll, you'll always, I shouldn't say always, but this is a very, it's something you see very, very often with sequels to games, especially like strategy games like this. The first one is new mechanics and it's linear. And then the second one, they start doing stuff like that to add a little bit of variety, a lot of add a little bit of replay value as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the other new thing they did is you're no longer just following Orange Star. Um, every new country you go to, you use the COs from that country. So when you're in Yellow Comet, you're playing Yellow Comet COs. When you're in Green Earth, you're playing Green Earth COs, which I loved because it gave me the opportunity to use all of these characters that I would not have been able to use otherwise because none of my friends had Advance Wars, so I couldn't play multiplayer um, because they suck, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, it, again, it's more replay value. You get to decide not only which missions you want to do in which order, but what COs you want to use for those specific missions. Um, I think that's part of the adding new COs sort of thing is that now each country has at least three. Um, so you get a lot of variety with that. By the way, mm-hmm. I I wonder who's playing multiplayer in these games. Because I think, I mean, when you take your turn, mm-hmm. you can take all the time you want. Correct. Right? And you're focused on your turn and that's all well and good. And then when the computer takes their turn, it's it's instantaneous. Yes. All their moves are done. They take virtually no time to think. And then it's back to your turn. But when you're playing multiplayer, the computer no longer is taking their instantaneous turns. Correct. You're waiting for your friend <laughs> to do all their stuff. 
I don't I don't know who has the patience for that. I I never played these games multiplayer. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, I didn't know anybody who I could play, you know, dual strike with, yeah. right? Um it was it was a very solitary experience. Yeah. Um but like just the thought of kind of sitting there and waiting for your friend to do stuff. And this is before we had cell phones with internet, you know, that were, you know, occupying all of our attention. So there wasn't very much to distract yourself with either. Yeah. Other than talking to your friend. And I mean, your friend doesn't want to talk to you. They're focusing on their turn. Correct. So, yeah, I'd, I'd love to know who played these games multiplayer and if it was a rewarding experience. Yeah, it really seems like you'd have to be dedicated to playing Advance Wars multiplayer. You need to find somebody yeah. else with a Game Boy Advance and a copy of Advance Wars. You have to have a link cable and you have to be willing to sit down for... What would probably be, you know, at least like 45 minutes to an hour at on, oh, a, on a good day. More than that. <laughs> More than that. Yeah. Like if you figure 45 minutes to an hour is your typical scenario in single player. Yeah. Like you got to add so much more time to that. Correct. To allow for the other human to make their decisions. Yep. Right. A- absolutely. It's basically like if you don't want to play Risk on an actual board game then you can probably play Advance Wars multiplayer and have a similar and not to, experience. And not to belabor the point, but I, funnily enough, I actually played Risk a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And with Risk, you have a couple of, you know, you, you have, it's a very social game yeah. in that you're always talking and you're always making alliances and then the backstabbing happens and yep. people get so bitter and it's it's all very, <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, Risk is actually kind of a shitty game, yes. but the but the social aspect makes it, great um and when people are making their moves they're kind of like making them one at a time yeah and they're using their hands they're moving when you're playing advanced wars i don't i don't see how i just don't see how that's as engaging but that's true you know all right um and so with that our nice short sweet look at advanced wars 2 uh we're gonna take another quick break and then we'll be back with advanced wars dual strike We're back. It's time for Advance Wars DS or Advance Wars Dual Strike. Um, that was a thing that a lot of DS games were doing for some reason. I I don't really. I I don't <laughs> think I ever understood it. To be perfectly honest, like yeah, I don't know, man. It's like it, it reminds me of back in the Super Nintendo uh, days yeah. when every game was super this or super that. Yeah, or sixty four like, just- everything. I get it, guys. I get it. It's a Super <laughs> Nintendo, all right? Yeah. I Castlevania think... 4 is Castlevania 4. I don't know who calls Castlevania 4 Super Castlevania 4. <laughs> Honestly, it's it's completely ridiculous. See, I wonder if that was, like, a, a Nintendo mandate, because there's no, like, no, like, PS Wipeout. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> PS Wipeout. Could you imagine? Yeah, or, like, PS Silent wipeout. Hill PS or something. Oh, man. I mean... Mild credit to Nintendo here in that they didn't call it Advance Wars DS. At least they gave it yes, they dual did. strike. <laughs> so, you know, we got we got something going on there. Yeah. 
Um, which I mean, and it does. I mean, it 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 talks about what you you should expect in the game. So it's not it's not completely tacked on there. Um, but like I said, third installment in the franchise. Uh, U.S. release August twenty second of two thousand and five. EU release September 30th of 2005 and coming in at number 1 the Japan the Japanese release in June 23rd of 2005 so the first concurrent advanced worth advanced wars release in both the west and Japan was Japan actually getting the game first you know it's you know what else kind of amuses me when i think about it for the first two advanced wars games like i remember reading through gaming magazines and they'd always have like you know what's coming up from the east. Mm-hmm. You know what are the Japanese player game you know gamers playing right now? And they'd have you know pictures of Fire Emblem for Super Famicom and stuff like that. And yeah. I'd be like, oh man, the Japanese are so lucky. Blah blah blah. I can imagine a Japanese gamer reading Famitsu, and Famitsu is talking about <laughs> Advance Wars for the GBA, and the Japanese are like, oh my god, the Americans are so lucky. <laughs> Like, <laughs> which is something that was just impossible in my mind i know right? but that's the thing right because like I, I i try to imagine like if i was a japanese uh like pe- person who played games like up to that point and i had grown up playing advanced wars from like or famicom wars from like 1988 on i was like oh i played this one i got the Game Boy one i got the super famicom one and then nothing until 2004 i'd be pissed like if i was seeing like the west getting all these advanced wars games i'm like what the fuck i'd feel so burnt (laughs) i'd be like fuck you nintendo (laughs) like what's going on here why why are all these gaijin getting my game exactly because at least with us like we don't even know what we're missing until we actually get one of them right like you know i had no idea and you know i'm i'm a semi-knowledgeable kind of gamer yeah I had no idea that there was like a Wars series until we were doing research for this one. Oh, I always yeah. just thought Advance Wars was Advance Wars, and that was that. Yeah, I knew about the Super Famicom one, but I did not know that it went like all the way back to, to 88. Like, that's insane yeah. to me. But, you know, now they finally they finally caught up and they're they're good to go. Now they're back on top. The orange stars aligned. Exactly. Um so the development team, this time we have two directors um, and two producers as well. So co-directed by Makoto Shimojo, returning from Advance Wars 2, and Kentaro Nishimura, who worked extensively on Advance Wars and Fire Emblem. Because oh, shocking development. This is all these people were. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like Intelligent Systems makes two games. Now just one game. Yeah. Now they yeah. just make Fire Emblem. Um, and also two producers co-produced by Toru Narihiro. Again, this is his third advanced wars game at this point i'm sure he's done more um and hitoshi yamagami uh who is credited with creating uh the concept for the panel de pawn series um which is known in the west as uh, tetris attack or puzzle league and i just added this because i am a very big fan of like complete transitions like if you were it's kind of like um when we were talking about um the Resident Evil guy, um, how am I forgetting this name right now? Shinji Mikami. Shinji Mikami. Yes. Yeah. And it was like, he's previously worked on Goof Troop. And I was like, <laughs> cool. <laughs> but I think, you know what? I think that's definitely the way to go, right? Yeah. Because talent is talent. And if you can bring talent with different experience onto your project, 
bringing you this fresh outlook, I think I think that's immensely valuable in almost any industry. Absolutely. But it, I find it endlessly entertaining forever. So I like the fact that this <laughs> this guy who had worked on probably Pokemon Puzzle League is now working on Advance Wars Dual Strike. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Like, it, just completely different. Yes. And I, it, I, I'm sure it must be, like good for them too to not be stuck sort of doing the same kind of game over and over again oh yeah yeah um cough cough masahiro sakurai cough cough oh oh um <laughs> uh and then music composed by yoshido hirano returning from advance wars 2 as well um again you know the story while i think this is probably the most intriguing story of the three advance wars game we've talked about so far um it's Essentially, a continuation of the previous game. Black Hole has returned once again. Dun dun dun. This time, uh, led by the even more Nazi-sounding uh, Von Bolt. Um, <laughs> after Sturm died at the end of Advance Wars Two, because that's another thing that happened is like people died in Advance Wars, which is insane to me. Um. So, spoiler alert. After that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and Von Bolt is looking to give himself eternal life by absorbing the energy of Omega Land. Again, it's not, you know, it's not like Oscar worthy screenwriting here, but it, it gets the job done essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just a vehicle for, for the game. Exactly. And it does, I mean, it does what it sets out to do. So you're getting an additional nine new commanding officers, uh, and Sturm is no not returning, so you get twenty seven playable commanding officers altogether. Um, Dual Strike sort of was the opposite of Advance Wars Two. I think they saw what people were saying, and they were like, "Okay, you want a new game? I'm gonna give you a new game." And then they slapped us over the head with <laughs> Dual Strike. <laughs> um, but basically, the the Dual Strike comes from uh, the use of two concurrent commanding officers during missions so you're not you're, you're no longer controlling one commanding officer you're controlling at least two um on every mission so what that does is it not only gives you buffs and debuffs from each commanding officer because they each control their own set of units um, but it also gives you tag powers um or dual strikes uh in addition to their regular commander power commanding officer powers um, and superpowers. Basically, it combines both of their uh, CO powers into one giant, awesome um, sort of move. Um, yeah. And again, it, it, it sort of does what Advance Wars does. It takes something that already existed and it sort of remixes it to add even more depth and complexity and strat- strategic value to everything you do in the game. Um and to, to add to that, obviously, you can select different commanding officers for each mission, so you can experiment with different combinations of powers, and I like that they've also added a thing where certain commanding officers that are played together, their powers sort of bounce off of each other's better, so their powers are more effective overall when used in combination. Yeah, and they and certain, certain tag... Um, certain commanding officer pairings will just kind of get like, um, like a general power boost yep. in addition to their actual powers. So you'll have, um, you know, for example, Eagle gets the ability to move twice yeah. as a superpower, 
but when he's paired with certain characters, his units will also get like a 30% power boost or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so I have to ask you, what do you think of the addition of, of the tag powers and just the ability to use two commanding officers at once? Because that's a huge change. Um, it is a huge change, yeah. Like, it's, you know, it, it, this is, it's very subjective, I think. Like, it really depends on who you ask. Mm-hmm. For me, it it's, I think overall it was good, right? Yeah. And the reason is because it allows, I like being able to break a game. Yes. Right? Um, and so these, and so some of the, the CO superpowers and the tag powers are just, are so broken. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like they are so powerful um, that a lot of the time you're just kind of building up, building up, you're making incremental moves, and then you slap the computer with a super tag power, yep. and then it's just over, yes. right? So on one hand, it's a lot of fun watching these broken things happen. On the other hand, um, it does remove a little bit, I found, of the difficulty from the game. Yeah. And a little bit of the, I don't want to say strategic depth, but I remember a lot of scenarios where I'm just kind of waiting for the superpower to build up. Absolutely. And then destroying. Yep. Right? Now, conversely, <laughs> you are also living in abject fear of the computer's powers. Correct. Too right yeah because like when and it depends on the mission right like some co's i don't give a shit what they do right like they use their superpower whatever yeah but there are some other co's and when they're computer controlled and they throw out their superpower it's like oh my god i'm about to get wrecked (laughs) and so you're and so there is like a lot of fear and tension there which really adds to the game yeah so you know it, it really depends on who you ask like do you want your strategy game to have these gigantic haymaker swings, these gigantic uh, shifts in tide, or not? Right. Personally, i i kind of I kind of see the value in in both points of view. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, um, what I remember most fondly about Advance Wars is just breaking it, and and I and I loved it. Nice. Do you have any any favorite commanding officer combinations? Oh yeah, dude. Um, and virtually anything with Colin, but (laughs) (laughs) specifically Sasha and Colin was just like absolutely bonkers because you have Sasha go first. She kills, you know, like you, you make as much money with her as you can because her, um, her superpower is that when she does damage, she gains money correspondingly. And then when Colin tags in. He does damage that scales with the amount of money you have. So you have Sasha build up the money and then Colin, like you can, oh my God, man, when you have enough money with Colin, you can take like a lowly infantry unit and smash a mega tank. That's amazing. Like, I'm serious. Like (laughs) that you're like, you're, they're just holding their rifles and they walk up to this like three story tank and ruin it. (laughs) And it's, and it's hilarious, right? Like I, I loved it. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and or um, the other one too, and I mean Sasha and Colin, while extremely broken, not as practical. Yeah. Um, Eagle and Sammy was probably like the best one in the game. I have always thought that Eagle's superpower is so ridiculously broken. Oh my god! It's it, it again like 
you if you want to make the game easy, then you pick Eagle yes. and you compare him with just about anyone. Um, but specifically when you pair him with Sammy, it, it's it's ridiculous, right? Because Eagle, his superpower is that he can move twice. Yes, and his units get a power boost. And when you pair him with Sammy, the power boost is even bigger. And Sammy has the ability to capture opponent headquarters without waiting. Yep. And so you just move all your guys across the map with Eagle, punch a hole through, and then Sammy instantly captures their headquarters and and the map is over. Yeah. So overall, I love the addition of tag powers because it makes the game so much more entertaining to play. And it really does add like... Black Hole Rising added some replayability. I think Dual Strike is kind of meant to be replayed. Yep. Like, it's meant to be played more than once because you have so many options that there's no way you're going to... There's no way you're even going to try all of the different pairings in one playthrough, I don't think. No. And that's where the other modes help, too. Yeah. Um, The survival and the combat modes. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you can just have like quick hits where you play with these two COs and yeah. that you've never tried together before. Right. Mm-hmm. It's really just, it's a very well designed game for, for replay value. Yeah. And then to add on top of that, uh, the COs that you use in missions gain experience and they eventually get promoted, which promotion, what it does is it lets them access like different skills that improve their specific fighting styles. So that's another thing like. You know, the game also rewards you for, like, having a favorite CO. You know, it's not like it it punishes you. Obviously, some COs are better for specific fights. And I think that not all of your COs are available all the time. Um, But, you know, there is advantages to sort of finding a combination that works for you and, and sort of rolling through that. Yeah, absolutely. And then we get to the second... um the second big change and it was so huge that Paul forgot that it even existed, (laughs) (laughs) which is dual front battles. And so this is, this is where the DS's dual screen really comes into play. So up until this point with your single screen advanced wars game, you just had the one map to focus on dual strike sort of flips this by having dual front battles. Essentially what this does is it splits your two co's or your two commanding officers. One of them goes on the top screen, the other one goes on the bottom screen. The one on the top screen just has a set number of units um, and they are doing battle with the opposing commanding officer, one of the opposing commanding officers. Whoever wins that battle their remaining units get sent down to the bottom screen and they join up with the other commanding officer. So the loser of the top battle has to fight the the two winners by themselves. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't remember this at all. Yeah. Like was did this was this in the campaign mode or yes. was it like there are there are some in the campaign mode. And then the other thing is the person the commanding officers on the bottom um are able to produce units and they are able to send units up to the top screen, but those units cannot come back until that battle is over. So it's wow. really there. It's very strategic because if you lose the top battle, you essentially are, are doomed because you have to fight two commanding officers by yourself and you can't use tag powers and they can. Yeah. Yeah. But if you send too many units to the top fight, 
you risk not being able to win the bottom fight. And if you lose before the top fight is over, it's over. Yeah. So it's really it's really a play on sort of resource management to the extreme. Like, you know, how do I win this top fight? How, what What is a good amount of support that won't do me on the other side of the battlefield? Yeah. Um, so they're very entertaining. Um, the, the flip side to that is once you win the top fight, you've sort of won the entire thing. And, and this is really my only complaint with the game mm. is that once you know you've won, you still kind of have to go through the motions yes. and actually physically win. Mm-hmm. So there's, and so it always adds like another, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes to every single map yep. where you're kind of just going through the motions and smashing what's left of the computer. Yes. And the way, the way a game like Fire Emblem overcomes this is that you get experience, mm-hmm. right? So you know you've won the map, um, but you're still getting XP for killing off all the remaining units and so on and so forth. Advanced Wars doesn't do this. Like, you know you've won, but you have to go through the motions of winning. My only complaint with this game. Yeah, and and I think it's it's interesting because I think that's been a problem since the first game. I agree with you. Yeah. Like, and they've never really found a good way to go about it. And it's even worse in missions where, like, you have to win in a specific way. Like, you have to either blow up a certain amount of things or you have to capture a certain thing. Because sometimes you know you have won, but then you have to trek an infantry unit all the way across the map to capture one specific building to yeah. actually win yeah. the mission. Yeah, it's uh, it, it can be it can be tedious winning when when you've already won especially if it involves infantry because infantry can only move three squares at a time correct and if your objective is across the map (laughs) it's just a lot of turns of like moving this little dude and yeah um one other thing that they clearly learned uh from advanced wars 2 to dual strike is to add more units um they added seven new units and several new features that add a lot of depth to these battles and again it's it's just the amount of stuff that's in a game like this. So you get the Mega Tank, which is a brand new tank. You get the Pipe Runner. Uh, there's Oozium, which is sort of this blob substance that automatically destroys any unit that it touches. So it's very, it's very campaign focused um, unit. Uh, the Black Boat, the Aircraft Carrier, which I love. I think yep. the Aircraft Carrier became like my second favorite new unit besides the Stealth Fighter. Oh, wow. Yeah. I love the stealth fighter because I love... It's essentially... Okay. So, I hate boats. I hate naval combat because it sort of comes down to like, are you making a submarine or are you making a battleship? And if you make a battleship, your submarine's going to blow it up. And if you make a battleship... I mean, if you make a submarine, then you're just like trying not to run out of gas, essentially, because you're underwater the whole time. Yeah. So the thing I like about self fighter is it's like, what if we take a submarine and we put it in the sky? Because it can just make itself invisible at the cost of uh, fuel. But I thought the self fighter was so helpful in sort of breaking a lot of those deadlocks when like you're sort of throwing units at the opponent and you're both sort of taking enough casualties that you have to reload and try again. But yes, the self fighter yes. is like excellent at like. I need to destroy the this specific unit. Let me send the stealth fighter and do it and then get out. Interesting. Yeah. 
Um, I never, I never really thought of it that way, and I didn't use, I don't remember using the stealth fighter that much. What I remember the most actually is the mega tank. Yes, because every time I built a mega tank, <laughs> I just felt like I couldn't lose. I was like, "Here's my mega tank. I'm slapping it on the table, and have fun, guys. Send send your infantry at it all day long. It yeah. will make a difference, right? Now, obviously, that's not really true, yeah. but I don't know, man. It's just a cool, it's just a cool looking unit. <laughs> yeah, it, it's amazingly very like very cool design for it. But also, yeah. I need to recognize the fact that like Advance Wars has like a fascination with just making bigger tanks every game." They're like, first game you I had it. Your, your regular dinky tank and you had your medium tank. And the medium tank was like, this is the shit right here. And then they were like, <laughs> no, now we've got the Neo tank, which looks like a pig for some reason. But don't yeah. worry about it because it, it, <laughs> it wrecks shit. And now they're like, no, now we got the mega tank. And so I'm concerned. I'm wondering if the reason we haven't seen a new Advance Wars game is because they haven't thought up of a better name than Mega Tank. That has to be the single largest impediment <laughs> to the creation of a new Advance Wars. <laughs> they're like the Ultra Tank, and they're like, no, that's not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the Mega Tank is is fucking awesome. There's also new weather effects. They have a sandstorm, which decreases visibility and a, attack range for all indirect fire units, which affects literally no one but me because I love rockets. Oh, dude, rockets are great. <laughs> you're, you're not the only one. Okay. Don't worry. Rockets are awesome. I love building a wall of rockets so that when they come to me, I just shoot the crap out of them before they get to me and then run them over with whatever tanks I have. Um, and then you have two brand new modes. You have survival and combat mode. Um, survival is a nonstop war of attrition. Basically, you're given a limited amount of money, turns, or time, one, one, of, one of either one of these, to complete a series of maps. I've never played survival, um, but I've, I'm, I'm sort of interested in going back and playing it now that I've seen what it's all about. Um, I know you played a little bit of it. What did you think? I yeah I played them all. Survival is really good um, in that it's not the campaign, right? Like it's <laughs> well, it's true though, yeah. right? Like it's it's more uh, it's more concentrated, and it just you know it just gives you different objectives. It forces you to think a little bit differently each time. Yeah, um, I, I think it's well worth it. And uh, the com did you play combat? I did not. This is what I was talking about. Um, this is what I was thinking of. I mean, when you were saying like, how do you play Advance Wars? Uh, multiplayer and i was like you make it real time <laughs> <laughs> well combat is uh i would call it an amusing diversion mm-hmm. um much like out in uh in resident evil 3 you had that mode what was that mode again uh mercenaries thank you um you know it's not like it's not the quote-unquote real game yeah but it's sort of like an add-on that's kind of what combat is it's fun for a little while but it's not really advanced wars gotcha See, the thing is, when I read, like, this description, like, you basically, it's real-time advanced wars and you control your units with the touchpad, I was like, much like this episode, that could be really great, or it could be (laughs) fucking horrendous. So I'm glad to know that it's not, you know, an abomination. (laughs) No, no, it's, you know what, it's it's neither great nor terrible. It's something that you can... 
it's like slot car racing in Yakuza, which we, which you and I were talking about before we started recording, yeah. right? It's an interesting little diversion. Um, it's possible perhaps to get a little bit obsessed with it. Um, but ultimately that's not where the meat of the game is. Yeah. Um, survival mode is survival mode is advanced wars. Okay. So if you want more advanced wars, you play survival mode, um, or you do like the custom map or, or whatever gotcha. other mode it is. Yeah. Um, and you know, like Advance Wars and Advance Wars Two, Dual Strike received universal praise. Um, Ninety out of hundred on Metacritic, thirty-four out of forty on Famitsu, eight out of ten on Edge, nine out of ten Eurogamer. Like it's sort of if okay. So this is gonna sound really weird and like stupid, um, but I guess it was the comeback story for a series that didn't really need to have a comeback, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like the the low, the valley of Advance Wars Two with its eight out of ten scores was <laughs> quickly rectified by <laughs> Dual Strike having nine out of ten scores. So yeah. clearly we avoided the the recession that would have been Advance Wars potentially being just good, not amazing. <laughs> See, but that's and that's one way to look at it, right? Yeah. But the weird the weird thing about Dual Strike is that it's sold really poorly, yes. right? So it sold about half as many units as Advance Wars, I think the original. Mm-hmm. I think um I think Advance Wars 2 No, Advance Wars 2 sold even more than the original, now that I remember. Yeah. Um and Advance Wars Dual Strike only sold half, half as many units as Black Hole Rising. Yeah. On a system that was more ubiquitous than the GBA. That is true. Um so it's it's weird in that dual strike at least for me. Um and I mean look, I'm biased right cuz I didn't play the first two when they were released, yeah. but Dual Strike to me is the pinnacle of the series and a fantastic game. The reviews bear that out and yet in Japan, especially in Japan, the game sold like crap. Yeah. And effectively killed the game over there. Well, that was this is a thing that I'm wondering because it doesn't explain the 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 decline in Japan, but I think it it does a little bit in America in that I think Fire Emblem became a bigger series um post mm. post Game Boy Advance. I think it did. I think Shadow like- Dragon was was the big fire emblem game i also think that there was a a, i think once advanced war sort of opened the door for strategy rpgs i think that there were a lot more options outside of advanced wars to get your your strategy rpg fix yes i agree like the great ironically the great gift that advanced wars gave western gamers is the the impetus for nintendo to release more fire emblem games here right because the first Fire Emblem game was also the first, you know, Fire Emblem game released on the Game Boy Advance mm. here in the West. Um, and then they obviously released more of them, right? Like, Fire Emblem wasn't doing too great either. Like, Shadow Dragon was, you know, it was a notable release. Mm. But for all intents and purposes, Fire Emblem was pretty much dead too until Awakening. Yeah. Um once Awakening came around, it sold a million units, yes. and we entered this Fire Emblem renaissance that I- I'm personally very thankful we have. I love those Fire Emblem games. Um, but 
Advance Wars, not so much. Yeah, Dual Strike was, uh, I think it was like the 301st selling game on the Nintendo DS in Japan. Yeah. Like, really incredible. I don't, I don't understand how this game didn't get more traction there. Yeah. It's, it's weird. I was trying to come up with a, with a good movie comparison and I just couldn't, but Advance Wars, like, Dual Strike is the, like, the very refined, artsy sequel to the fucking like that didn't do that did that didn't do well to the like american blockbuster that was uh advance wars 2 which was a box office success but is not as good <laughs> if that makes yeah, any sense yeah no pretty much I-, I can't think of any any movie analog for that yeah. either um, I'm sure somebody will, yeah. will will message us. <laughs> <laughs> we'll edit our voices like the Godfather two versus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Dual Strike is no Godfather three. Come that's on, that's true. <laughs> um, but that's it. Really, is like it's again. It's so weird that like what I consider to be the best game in this series is probably like the least well known. Yeah. And that happens a yeah. lot in in video games, you know. That's why you get so many of these like really rare expensive games because there were sequels on series that people just weren't playing as much of at the time, but they were the best versions of these games. Yeah. Yeah. Um so I think that with that said, is this the is this the peak of Advance Wars in your opinion? Like is this the best it, it's ever gotten? unquestionably okay. yeah it this is i think the best game in the series and uh and you know what it if you ask a nintendo shareholder <laughs> they will disagree with me <laughs> that's true but with that said we have one more advanced wars games to talk about um so after a quick break we will be right back Advance Wars Days of Ruin. Here it is. The last entry in the Advance Wars series up to this point. Oh man, that sounds like sad. Yes, it is <laughs> It is not a fitting epilogue for this series, at least in my opinion. We'll see. Um, so Advance Wars Days of Ruin is the fourth installment in the franchise. It's also known as Dark Conflict in uh, the PAL territories. And I can't tell which title I like the least. to me dark conflict yes i think days of ruin was the was the right choice um yeah but again we're seeing simultaneous releases um actually the the most simultaneous release for any advanced wars game i think up to this point the u.s release was january 21st of 2008 and the eu got it four days later in uh january 25th of 2008 and japan japan had the good sense to cancel this game 
Um, oh come on now <laughs> we're we're going we're going to have a fight here on this one but anyway please continue no i'm being i'm being facetious um so the original <laughs> japanese release was canceled but it was later available for download on the japanese 3ds eShop on october 30th of 2013 but only as a platinum status reward um i assuming for club nintendo members um so quick hits on i'm just the- shaking my head here like <laughs> <laughs> why why are you lim oh man i guess i guess they were more interested in selling club nintendo yes than they were days of ruin correct so, that's anyhow, what i would i just answered my own question please continue <laughs> um so quick hits on the development team uh co-directed by uh daisuke nakajima who worked on dragon quest wars which i did not know was a thing and now I desperately need in my life. Um, but it's basically <laughs> what you think. It's Dragon Quest meets Advance Wars. Why don't I have I would this? I would love to see that. <laughs> like that's it's amazing, man. Like you think you you think you know it all, and then yep. bam, Dragon Quest Wars, and it's yep. like, well, my life has been empty so this far. This is, of course, a Japanese only release, I believe. It may have been released in the West in some form, but I'm not sure. And then uh oh, I don't know, man. Co-directed also by Masaki Tawara of Endless Ocean. Uh, co-produced by uh, well-known at this point Toru Narahiro and Hitoshi Yamagami uh, and again composed by Yoshido Hirano. So, Days of Ruin. Completely new story. So, they've scrapped literally everything Advanced Wars up to this point. Um, The nations are different. The characters aren't there anymore. uh, And I think this was sort of a pivot to a much darker and more serious tone for the series. You know, like like we had said before, Advance Wars is a game about war, but it's a very lighthearted. It's very sort of bright and cheerful in, in all that that entails, even though the, the subject matter is quite serious. Uh, but Days of Ruin takes the opposite approach in making it sort of the grim, dark uh series that i think you would think of when you think of a game that has the word war in the title and so i don't know how i feel about this change but it's it's very interesting you know it's it's a weird one because like okay first of all they had to make the change Mm -hmm. right dual strike amazing game sold like crap yeah right so along comes days of ruin they know they're not going to release it in Japan because Dual Strike, uh, Dual Strike sold here not very well, but in Japan it was a a horrible, horrible failure. Yeah. So I think the impetus for the design choices in Days of Ruin was to cater it more towards Western tastes. Mm-hmm. So you have uh, a less lighthearted art style, although it's still distinctive, um, still very much intelligent systems. Yeah. Uh, it is a little bit less cartoony darker palette browns and grays and blacks um darker story for me it was very jarring mm-hmm. because i played it um you know a little while after dual strike and i was kind of expecting more dual strike i hadn't done any reading yeah on days of ruin at all so i loaded it up and i was like whoa this is this is completely different mm-hmm. um but once once i got over that then I found, okay, this is enjoyable. I thought the soundtrack was much better. Yeah. Um, and I thought the presentation, the story was was better too, right? Now, with that said, I never actually finished Days of Ruin. 
Um, I think I got about halfway through, and I can't, you know, I can't remember what happened. Um, but there was something that happened in the game, and I was like, "All right, I think I'm done." Yeah. How far did you get? I I think I I, I got over halfway. I think I was. I think I'm currently sitting with maybe like three or four missions to go. Um, oh. But I also dropped it, and I will say I I do agree that I think the change needed to be made. Um, or not that it needed to be made, but I think that they thought that it needed to be made based on what had happened with Dual Strike. Um, and I, it, I find it ironic that this sort of comes full circle in the sense that when other games, other strategy RPGs were doing big, like drawn out, dark, sort of serious stories, and Advance Wars was doing sort of more lighthearted fare, not focusing as much on the story, more on the mechanics. Now we see Advance Wars sort of come back to the big, sort of more involved, more fleshed out story. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's definitely a departure. Yeah. And so, you know, for me it was, if it if it wasn't called Advance Wars... I don't think it would have hurt as much <laughs> personally <laughs> because while I do agree that it doesn't do anything terrible and I was, the story is not bad. I, I, I grew to sort of enjoy it as it went on. Um, it's just so different. It's so different from what I'm, what I'm used to from this series and, you know, change is not good, Paul. I want everything to stay the same <laughs> forever. Well, and and the changes to the mechanics, yes, um, like I think, not an improvement at all. Yeah, uh, but I think that comes from the fact that dual strike, I like we said, I think was the peak of what you could do with that with those mechanics. Yes, um, and so I think it's it's funny because I think Days of Ruin sort of scales back on on what dual strike did. I think it, it for the first time in the series, I think they've sort of made things a little less depth and a little less layered by obviously taking away the dual commanding officer system, which immediately just cuts like any strategic, uh, nuance in, in half essentially. Um, but also makes it a much more challenging game. Like I think, I think Days of Ruin is the hardest Advance Wars game that I've played. Yeah, that that might very well be so. Uh, to be quite frank, I don't remember. Yeah. Um, I remember. Well, you know what? It must be because I remember Dual Strike being not terribly difficult yeah. at all, and uh, and Days of Ruin doesn't have those kind of broken mechanics yeah. that that do that. So it, it would have to be harder. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So just to give a brief overview of the story, um. Days of Ruin takes place in a post-apocalyptic world uh, following a meteor shower that essentially destroyed most of the population of the planet. Um, and you are a cadet in the Rubinel 12th Battalion, which is one of the two countries that are featured prominently in this game, the other being Lazuria. Um, you are Will. Your name is, you are, you are Rubinel Cadet Will, um, who is rescued by the 12th Battalion. You eventually discover an amnesiac girl named Isabella, who turns out to be directly related to the main antagonist of the, of the game, Dr. Calder, who is attempting to use this conflict as an opportunity to conduct his own experiments. Um, it's definitely a much more intriguing story. Definitely much more, like, it gets you more invested in it. And I feel like, 
the missions that they designed for this game are much more closely tied to the story. So, like, when you're doing the missions, it, it feels like you're a part of the ongoing story, whereas in the previous Advance War ga- in the previous Advance Wars games, I felt like the missions were sometimes a little detached from the overall story, if that makes any sense. Oh, absolutely. Um, and so, obviously, much darker story, much darker themes. Um, is it a good thing? I think that it just depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for more advanced wars, maybe not so much. But if you can learn to, to sort of go with it and, and uh, let the game just do what it wants to do, I think that there's something there like there's there's good there's good there i think that the story as written is serviceable you know it's not going to it's not going to change your life or anything but i think that it it does what it does well and it makes it so the game that you're playing is is more interesting yeah and it helps and there's no way to prepare for this yeah. but it also really helps if you know what the game is ahead of time mm-hmm. cuz like I said, I don't know how it was for you, Arnie, but for me, I had no idea what it was going to be. Mm-hmm. I just saw new Advance Wars game. And then when I played it, I was slapped in the face. Like, yeah. was it like that for you? Yeah, absolutely. It was It was weird because I also had no idea. I saw this. I think I bought it at a GameStop. Like, because the other thing is, I never played Dual Strike when it initially came out. Like, after Advance Wars 2, I sort of fell off the Advance Wars train. Um, and yeah. then I, I ended up finding Days of Ruin at a local GameStop for like eight bucks. And I was like, I need, I, I haven't played these games in forever. And I just, I, it was an itch that I had to scratch essentially. I was like, I want like a good strategy RPG to play again. Um, yeah. and so I popped this in and I was like immediately like, where's Andy? Where's, <laughs> where's Olaf? Where's anybody? Where's Eagle? Um, and I was just like, it was, yeah, it was just like, I was shell shocked for, for a second. I was like, well, I guess I got to figure this out. And I wasn't, you know, it was weird because I, I saw that the countries were new and stuff, but I still held out hope that at some point, like the old characters would show up. And yeah. then once I got like halfway through, I just like came to the realization that was not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit sad that way. Yeah. But you know, it, it what can I say? Like, for all these complaints that we have, it was successful for them. Like, it sold much better yeah. uh, than Dual Strike did, which is kind of strange to me because I think this is the lesser game, and I think it's commonly held to be the lesser game. Yeah. Um, but it definitely did better sales-wise yeah. than Dual Strike. Um, not well enough for them to continue the series, but these changes that we all don't like actually ended up working well for them as a company. And I mean, you know, in, in 2008, like, what are we looking at here? We're looking at world war two shooters. We're looking at gears of war, like black, brown, silver was the color palette of the age. Um, so I can't fault them for trying to keep the series alive by sort of pivoting into something that they thought would work and it did work and sold more. (laughs) Um, yeah. So that's unarguable that it, you know, it overall, while the game may have suffered in in some ways, um, you know, they did their damnedest to uh, try to keep the series alive. Now, I will say, um, and this is not an argument that I think I'll try to that that sort of holds water. But if you want to look at it a certain way, 
you could say that Advance Wars continued to live on in Battalion Wars for the GameCube, and then Battalion Wars 2 for the Wii. Now, those aren't exactly the same, but they're sort of in the same vein, and they're usually held up to be spiritual successors to Advance Wars. Yeah, but they're wildly different games. You know, like, it's, I think they were originally meant, like you said, they were originally meant to be kind of continuations of the series, but the mechanics are, are so much different. Yeah. It's not, it's not a strategy game at all. It's more, it's more real time yeah. strategy than anything. And even then your real time strategy is like, you're controlling one unit and kind of sending orders to others. Um, so the closest thing that it shares with advanced wars is kind of the aesthetic and the theme um and even the aesthetic is not quite the same yeah um and you know to touch on it briefly mechanically i know we've talked about the things have changed so obviously no no uh dual co's no dual front battles um no tag powers um you do have co powers but they're unlocked later in the game and the way they're used and implemented is different you have to have a co unit that goes around the map it's just basically a more powerful version of a regular uh unit um and they have a range where they affect several units or debuff other units um so it it it's different i mean you can't accuse them of sort of riding on what dual strike was doing I think it works to a certain degree. I think that, you know, with with strategy games, the cardinal sin is sort of not evolving enough because I think then it just gets stale. Um, yeah. But I think they, they did enough where this definitely feels like its own game. Um, I think one thing that was sort of a problem, or not a problem, but I think one thing that hurts... Days of Ruin 2 is that it sort of sits alone on this island when you look at the series. You see these first three games that are clearly connected, and then Days of Ruin is sort of the one lone pariah doing its own thing. And the yeah. fact that this was the last game in the series up to now doesn't do it any favors in the hearts and minds of Advance Wars fans, I don't think. No, it, it feels like like Days of Ruin ruin the series right because it's so different and you know they tried something new and and it didn't work and we haven't seen it since i mean the fact of the matter is it it sold it sold better than dual strike this is like a common misconception Mm -hmm. you know days of ruin they tried to make it more adult and they killed advanced wars and and so on and so forth Nah, I it, like I hate to say it, but Dual Strike was the beginning of the end. Yeah. For as amazing a game as Dual Strike is, it just didn't do the numbers. Yeah. And uh and Days of Ruin was kind of like a last ditch effort that didn't quite make it. Yeah. I also find it very in I I guess intriguing is not the right word, but it's interesting to me that you know, because when you talk about Advance Wars, you have to talk about Fire Emblem. I think that it's it's sure. hard to sort of separate the two because this small company was sort of working on both. And I find it very interesting that whereas Fire Emblem had, like you said, they had the, the two Game Boy Advance games, like Advance Wars. Then they had their DS game, which unlike Advance Wars, I feel like was a step forward for the series, but it's not the pinnacle of what the series is. And then instead yep. of having a second DS game, 
they went to the 3DS, and that game was amazing. Yeah. Whereas Advance Wars had a second DS game that upticked sales, but just didn't do enough numbers to keep the series alive. And it's interesting yeah. that, you know, I don't know if if there's something about Fire Emblem that just holds holds people's attention better and it it makes people more interested in it but i just find it so interesting that that series was sort of able to rally by not really changing too much like obviously there are changes in awakening um and obviously there's the the gamecube game and the wii game but i think fire emblem was able to sort of maintain its identity through a, a downturn and eventually rally, whereas Advance Wars, I feel like, changed with Dual Strike and had that problem, and then it changed again with Days of Ruin and was not able to sort of rebound after that. Yeah. I, like, I, Fire Emblem was really in the same boat. Like, I can't, I can't overstate yeah. this. Fire Emblem was dead at Nintendo. Um, the fact that they gave Awakening the green light was a bit of a, a kind of a Hail Mary throw. Yeah. And Intelligent Systems threw everything they could into Awakening, um, fully expecting that it would be the last Fire Emblem game. Yeah. The fact that Awakening Awakening was like the perfect game at the perfect time, and now everybody loves Fire Emblem, and that's great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's you can't avoid talking about one without talking about the other. And I think the the thing that probably sets Fire Emblem apart um, from Advance Wars is, you know, the visual style. Yeah. Like we all like our we all like our anime characters, but we also like it when the characters have relationships mm-hmm. and perhaps a little bit of a deeper story. Yeah. Not that Awakening is like a storytelling titan. You know, it's very it's very basic and very strangely paced. Yeah. Um, but the characters are all super endearing, charmingly written, and, you know, there's the dating sim element to it as well, which can't be overlooked. Yeah. And how do you add a dating sim to Advance Wars? <laughs> eh, I don't know. Right? That's true. See, the problem is the, problem is the sales numbers, right? Because yeah. Fire Emblem Three Houses is going to come out soon. Yeah. That's a day for me. That's a day one purchase. Oh, that game is gonna destroy sales numbers for sure. It has to, yeah. right? Like if Xenoblade Chronicles Two can sell a million units, yeah. then Fire Emblem Three Houses has to top that. Yeah, and that kind of seems to be the magic number. Like that's what Awakening did, and once Awakening topped a million, it's like, oh, okay, let's pump out some more Fire Emblem games. So it's like, I mean, is there hope for a new Advance Wars games? Not if Fire Emblem keeps selling. Yeah, like that's I don't. True. If I'm if I'm a Nintendo shareholder, what impetus do I have to release to have Intelligent Systems working on anything other than Fire Emblem? Yep. I completely agree. I think the the best we can hope for is the spiritual successors, which I think is it. Tiny Metal is the one that that came out on Switch that's supposed to be essentially Advance Wars in 3D. Yeah, Tiny Metal. Yeah, Tiny Metal has its own has its own issues yeah. though. Yeah, which is sad <laughs> because I want I want my Advance Wars. Um, I know, I know. Like I want to like Tiny Metal. Yeah. But like the whole the whole Kickstarter thing, yep. um, you know how the guy I can't remember his name off the top of my head, damn it. Um 
but yeah, the the producer of Tiny Metal basically made Tiny Metal with funds that he procured from a Kickstarter campaign for an entirely different game. I, I had heard about this. Yeah, right. and it's and he of course denies it. Of course, but like, dude, those optics look terrible. <laughs> like, I mean, he can he can deny it all he wants, but. Wow, from the outside looking in, yeah, it's it, not a good it look. does not look like he is an innocent person. Yeah. Um, we're not going to get into that here. I encourage anybody who's interested in that to, to look up it. Tiny Metal yeah. and uh, but and the uh, and the whole drama behind it. It's quite interesting. Yeah, but I think I think you're absolutely right. I think that there is no reason for intelligence systems to sort of go back to the well on advanced wars. And you know, here's here's the thing: is we'll always complain about not getting more of a particular series that we like, but Advance Wars has four incredibly solid games under its belt. And I think that is a lot more than a lot of series, especially video game series, can say. To have, you know, just a a nice compressed lineup of solid games, like 8 to 10 out of 10 games. All four yeah. of them, including Days yeah. of Ruin, I think is is solid enough that people should play it. Um, yeah, and these games are widely available. None of these are particularly expensive. I think that Dual Strike might be the most, but even that's like a twenty five dollar game. So none of these yeah. games are going to break the bank for you. Um, so overall, I think that Advance Wars, it you know, if we never see another Advance Wars games again, at least we got the ones we did and they're all pretty good so you can't really go wrong on whichever one you decide to play yeah i agree i mean i'll be i'll be sad if i don't see the series make a comeback but i'm good you know there there are enough games to play and uh and advance wars definitely had its time i loved it yep so we salute you advance wars Thank you for everything you've done. Uh, I expect some sort of national anthem to be playing as I'm saying these well, words. Well, we'll have a we'll have a bugle horn. <laughs> exactly, a sad like funeral procession. Um, all right. So with that said, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you, Paul, for joining me on this exploration. Oh, um, my pleasure, sir. As always, if you like what we do. Uh, please uh, check us out on iTunes, review, rate us. It's the best way for people to find out about us. I know it's annoying, um, but please do it. Please, please. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, if you are on any other social media platform, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, come follow us. Uh, Just uh, grab two Bud Lights, crack them open, chug them, and then Stone Cold Stunner, that subscribe button. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna keep this going. Treat it like Vince McMahon. Yeah, this is gonna be a, a a continuing series for me where I describe ever more complicated wrestling moves to perform on subscribe buttons. <laughs> Can't wait till we bust out the ladders. Yeah, I was gonna say put it in the in a sharpshooter like <laughs> Bret Hart did to Shawn Michaels before Vince McMahon stole the title from him. Oh my god. Um Oh my goodness, deep cuts. <laughs> but yes, please subscribe to us, check us out on everything. Paul, where can people find you? Instagram, Paul's underscore game room. Perfect. And you can find me on Instagram as well at Region Free Gamers. We're always doing stuff over there and we love when people come talk to us. Uh just hit us up, shoot us a DM. 
Um, you know, let us know what you think of this episode, any other episode, what you want to see on the show in the future. But again, thank you so much for listening, guys. Have a good one.